Happy Friday to you. Chilly day here in the Des Moines area. What, two weeks from Christmas? Is that right? Two, yeah, two weeks from Christmas. Buckle up. We're about to get crazy. Uh, we got a lot to get to. A really interesting um, quarterback matchup coming up on Sunday. And Iowa State fans, I'm sure, are very excited because their guy, Brock Purdy, is going to be involved in this one. It's Brock versus Brady, the old man and the young kid. And when Brock Purdy was asked about facing the GOAT, his answer was was pretty awesome. So if you're an Iowa State fan, you'll hear that. We'll talk about uh, that matchup. And there's a lot of people that think Brock Purdy can get things done for the Niners now that they're down to their third-string quarterback. Also, something strange happened last night. I think people actually were rooting for Baker Mayfield. We'll get to that coming up in a bit. But as you know, as a Green Bay Packers fan, it's been a struggle for me this year. That's all right, though. You know, not every year can be sunshine and rainbows. And wanted to actually go up to Wisconsin where... It is a snowstorm. Our guest is talking to us as it is a snowstorm up in Wisconsin. Joining me from ESPN Milwaukee, a guy who was a co-worker of mine for a long time. He played with the Green Bay Packers and for the Detroit Lions. He is Gary Ellerson. Gary, thank you so much for the time, man. How's the weather in Wisconsin? Uh, I don't know. We got about four or five inches. <laughs> it's on the way. More is coming. Yeah. Uh, hey, it's good to talk to you, my friend. How are you? Good, buddy. How are you doing? Doing all right. Doing all right. Uh, it's been, well, like I said before I brought you on, it's been a bit of a struggle, I think, for Green Bay Packers fans this year. I'm sure as you talk to them each and every day and after every game, how are, I, I'm sure they're handling it really, really well, right? Uh, <laughs> well, listen, uh, Aaron Rodgers has given us, uh, uh, given us enough sound bites. <laughs> to stir the crowd just a little bit. So, yeah, there's a lot of angst in uh, Packers uh, Nation right now. Talking to Gary Ellerson, ESPN Milwaukee. Joining me here on ESPN Des Moines. It's Wicket's World. I'm Mike Wicket. So this week, there is all, there's all there's 4.8% chance, according to the ESPN nerds, that the Packers <laughs> can make it to the postseason. And the conversation is about, you know, if they're eliminated, does Rodgers play? Should Rodgers play? I'll ask you, Gary, as a guy who played for the Packers, covers the Packers, talks to the Packers. Should Aaron Rodgers sit the rest of the year if they are, in fact, eliminated in three days? Right, and you know what? That is what everybody's talking about right now. And no one likes my answer. And my answer is whatever Aaron Rodgers wants to do. Really? Yeah, whatever he wants to do. Because it's all on him. He runs the organization right now. I hate to say it, but it is what it is. He He's the guy. So whatever he wants to do is what they're going to do. I don't see uh, Matt LaFleur stepping to Rodgers and say, I need for you to be the backup for the next three games. I, 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 don't, I, I don't see that happening. I, I, I think it will be Rodgers making that decision on his own whether he wants to sit and watch for the next three, four games. Do you think they need to give Love, Jordan Love, more run? Or, or is this just going to be a, you know what? It doesn't really matter what Jordan Love does. You know what? You're really good. That's why I miss you. Because <laughs> you get right down to it. Yeah, they need to give Love more run. Of course they do. We need to see more from him. And we really haven't. I mean, this last game he played in, um, I thought he played really well. I, he only had like 10 plays. But he looked good. And so... 
But we need to see more of that in, in game action. And I still think, Mike, and I need to ask this question, I still think the Packers um, will renew his – will extend his contract and he'll be set to make $20 million. Everybody says, well, I don't know how they're going to pay $20 million. I don't know how they pay any of these guys the money that they pay them. <laughs> but I didn't know Jordan Love is coming back. So you think they? he's going into his fourth year. They have until right around the draft, I think, next year to pick up the fifth-year option. You think they pick that up regardless? Because that would make, by my count, Gary, and I'm no math major, a year and a half from now, if Rodgers is still around, that makes up about $80 million in quarterbacks. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think you'd afford to. I, I don't think they can let him go. I mean, maybe they flip it and start all over again. But I feel like they think they have a known commodity in Jordan Love, and they're kind of forced to keep him. And so, yeah, I, I think they pick up that option, and it's going to be about twenty million. Talking to Gary Ellerson, he's joining us from ESPN Milwaukee, former Packer and. Uh, Wisconsin Badger also played for the Detroit Lions. I'm Mike Wickett here on ESPN Des Moines. What's been the single most frustrating thing that you guys discuss on ESPN Milwaukee uh, this year for the Green Bay Packers? Because I got a list of about 80, Gary. Only you would say that I played for the Detroit Lions. Well, no I, one I, else. You got a resume. That. You played for multiple NFL teams. I don't want to shortchange you, brother. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think I think if you look at the Packers, uh, Joe Barry, the defense has just been horrible, uh, and that's really surprising to I think to a lot of Packer fans. And I think there there's talent on that defense, but it's not working. Something's not working with Joe Barry. Something's not working with these guys on on that defensive side of football. We thought the defense was going to be much better, but it's not. I don't know why he hasn't been let go yet, but it feels like, <laughs> it, I mean, I, I maybe LaFleur is not the kind of guy because he held on so long to his special teams coach. People may not know right. Maurice Drayton was held on for far too long and they replaced him with, yep. with uh, Rich Bisaccia. But right. assuming LaFleur gets rid of, of the defensive coordinator in Barry or Gudikin says, we can't do this anymore. Is it, who are they looking at to replace him? Because I've hear I've heard some names, but there's no front runner. Yeah, no one knows. I mean, you know, Jimmy Leonard passed it up last year. I think they wanted him, and now he's available. But I think at this point, no one knows. And you're right, um, Matt Lafleur is going to ride with Joe Barry uh, until the end of the year. I think there'll be a change made uh, at defensive coordinator uh, this off season. Yeah, it, it, it has to happen. I mean, it, it, even the other day, right. like as, as much as this offense has struggled, Gary, you know, with, with mm-hmm. the young, young receivers and injuries up and down, and for whatever reason, they're allergic to trying to consistently run the football. I know as a former running back, that it pains you to see Jones and Dylan right. have so much success and then get shoved to the bench so Aaron can play hero ball. But despite all that, like the offense has actually looked somewhat decent the last few weeks. Like it looked good at, against Philadelphia. They scored 30, think, but, but the defense yeah, gave up maybe, 40. <laughs> right, you're right. But I think maybe the offensive side, you're right. It's Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers had to come to some sort of understanding on how the offense should look. Rodgers is trying to operate as, as if he still had Devontae Adams, and he didn't. Your two better players were A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones, and he's trying to throw it to whoever's out there, and nobody's running the route 
that Rodgers wants to rock. So people got to understand, there is a Matt LaFleur playbook and there's a Aaron Rodgers playbook. And, and so when you have all these young guys, they don't even know what playbook to kind of look at right now. Everybody's not on the same page. And that's why this offense got off to a bad start. And then Rodgers decided, you know what, I'm not, I'm not going to any mini camps. I'm not doing any OTAs. I'm not doing any of that stuff. We'll figure it out when we get here. And then a lot of these guys got hurt. They struggle. They zig when they zag. Rodgers don't know where they are. They don't know where Rodgers want them to be. And now I think you see the young guy in Christian Watson, I think you're seeing him starting to catch on now with what Rodgers wants to do when he's out there. And then also understand what Matt LaFleur wants him to do when the play comes in. Talking That's to difficult Ga- to do. Talking to Gary Ellerson from ESPN Milwaukee here on 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. I'm Mike Wicked. Um, I-, I screamed from the top of the mountaintop that when we found out that Aaron Rodgers' thumb was busted, and it happened in the yeah. on the final play in the game against in, uh, the Giants in London. I said, sit yeah. him for four weeks because yeah. if if, if I, it was a part of the schedule, it was like I don't think Green Bay is going to win games with Rodgers. So give Love a month, and then get Rodgers healthy for the Thanksgiving and on run, and may, maybe they catch fire, they go on that magic carpet ride, whatever. What would they're five and eight right now? If Love plays in that five-game stretch where they won one, how many more wins do you think they have? Do they beat Detroit? Do they beat the Commanders? Yeah, I don't know, but Rodgers, he wasn't going to let that happen. I mean, Brett Favre played with a busted-up thumb. That's not – yeah, he's – no. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's nice to think about. I mean, Rodgers, you know, man, you know this guy. He wasn't going to let that happen. He's not going to sit down. So he's got the busted thumb and the – and the ribs are all jacked up. We're not really playing for anything, and they're still trotting them out there. Is Christian Watson going to be the offensive rookie of the year? Uh, it's going to be close, but I think if he can continue to stack the success that he's had here over the last four weeks, I, I think he's got an opportunity to be. Uh, he's he's sensational. I mean, he really is. Brian Goodikins did a great job of moving up, going to get him. I think a lot of people didn't like that move uh, at first, but you can see the raw ability that he has. I mean, his problem was he just didn't understand the route tree and how to run routes. And then it is. It's very difficult to play with Rodgers when you're a rookie and to try to understand what he wants you to do. So I think you see that coming together. Romeo Dobbs, the other young guy that we have, I think he'll probably be the best 50-50 ball catcher that we've ever seen uh, in Green Bay. Talking to Gary Ellison for another minute or two here on ESPN Des Moines. He covers the Green Bay Packers for ESPN Milwaukee, also covers the Badgers. Now, Iowa fan around here, they just watched one of the worst offenses in football, but we know there's not going to be any change here for the Hawkeyes because that's not what Kirk Ferentz ever does. It'll But your Badgers, Gary, the proud Wisconsin grad that you are, they pulled a move I never thought they would do, and they fired Paul Chris mid-season. Then they don't give the job to Jim Leonard, who played there, whose lifelong dream it is to coach the Wisconsin Badgers. What were you doing when you found out they're bringing in Luke Fickle from Cincinnati to take over that job? Well, I love to hire, but the Badgers have to be careful. And here's why. And you will understand this when I say it. We have a blueprint on how we want to do stuff. And I get it. We want to change. I'm with change. I'm for change. 
but you got to be careful. The University of Michigan tried to be slick, and they went out and hired Rich Rod. Ruined the program. They wanted to spread it out. They started recruiting, not really what Michigan was all about. They kind of got away from it. And it, I think that hurt Michigan for maybe 10 years to try to get back to Michigan. Wisconsin, to me, is in the same situation. They go hire this guy, Phil Longo. He's the air raid guy. They want to put it up. They want to go spread. They want Fine. I'm good. But you got to be careful when you're starting to do stuff like this where you don't really get too far away from really what your program is all about. Do you get down with that? They tried. Like, they tried this, Gary, when they hired Gary Anderson from Utah State for a year, and, and it was like, okay, here we go. Here comes the 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 read option offense. Here comes what he's done. All that success he had at Utah State, and Anderson was a kook, and this, the whole thing blew up for Wisconsin. And they brought in Chris afterwards, who was a boring hire. So I I understand what you're saying, but I think if you're going to be messing with Lincoln Riley when USC gets here and Chip Kelly when uh, UCLA gets here, and you've got Harbaugh, and you've got Ryan Day, and you got all these. Bielema even now apparently owns Wisconsin. Other than you know Brian Fair, you got Matt Rule now in the West over there at Nebraska. They needed a big time name. I think this is the right move for where the Big Ten is going. Yeah, no, I don't disagree with it, but still, you have to be careful of your identity that you've already established. It's true. It's true. I mean, look at look at Nebraska. Nebraska went away from their identity after yeah, Tom Osborne right. was done, and still right. hasn't been back. Right. You got. You you, you just got to be. I'm I'm good with the hire. I just I just think. And, and listen, Mike. I love to see USC UCLA to come to Camp Randall and USC and, and try to throw it for fifty times in November. It's going to be great. I can't wait. I, want, I, I, you know, I love go, to see Go that. to Camp Randall. Go to the big house. Go to the shoe. Let's see what Lincoln Riley's team can do in November. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Gary, good to catch up with you, my friend. Hey. Uh, I hope you're okay driving around in that snow. Yeah, I got my dogs here. We're going to go to the dog park. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Gary, take care, man. Hi, buddy. See you later. later. Gary Ellerson, ESPN in Milwaukee. He played for the Packers. He played for the Detroit Lions. Uh, He's a Wisconsin grad, obviously very passionate about uh, the Badgers. He's got a podcast that he does with uh, my buddy Leroy Butler, the Pro Football Hall of Famer. Follow him on Twitter, at Gary Ellerson. Coming up, something may have happened last night that you probably do not do on a normal basis, but maybe today you're actually happy for a guy you usually root against. I'll tell you who I'm talking about next. 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. This is Wicket's World. My name is Mike Wicket. Happy Friday to you driving around here in the Des Moines area or streaming on the ESPN Des Moines Facebook page. Hello. Follow us on Twitter at ESPN DSM. My thanks to Gary Ellerson from ESPN Milwaukee for joining us. Uh, Gary, always a good dude. If you missed that conversation about the Packers, a little on the Badgers too, I was one of Iowa's biggest rivals. Uh, it'll be up on the podcast coming up in a bit. Coming up tomorrow, well, we got a triple header of basketball for you. First, it'll be the Drake men's team taking on the Richmond Spiders, then the Drake women taking on Creighton. And then after that, am I back, Kira? Am I backwards? No. 
No, say that again. The Richmond what? Spiders. Mm. Richmond's mascot is the spiders. Mm. Yes. So the men play the spiders and the women play the Blue Jays. <laughs> and then we got an NBA game tomorrow too. What do we got? Uh, hold on, let me get the sheet here. Uh, we got Boston and Golden State. So if you like basketball on the radio, tomorrow is your day right here on ESPN Des Moines. We've got live sports. And guess what? We will have no show next week. Do you know why? Why? Bowl season begins here Woo! on ESPN Des Moines. I believe we have 19 bowl games. Oh. When I was growing up, there weren't 19 bowl games. All right? That wasn't a thing. We didn't have 19 bowl games when I was growing up. But now we're carrying 19 of the bowl games. I think there's like 40. Is it like the Oroville Redenbacher slash no, no. Cornflakes no. slash... No, Kira. Oh, okay. No, Kira. It's okay. the Bahamas Bowl. Okay. <laughs> the long storied tradition of the Bahamas Bowl. We'll have bowl games all bowl season long. On the way to the college football championship, we'll have both the semifinals and the championship game right here on ESPN Des Moines. Coming up, we'll get to Brock versus Brady. But first, normally, there are, I don't know who the biggest villains in sports are, but you can make a list. And in the NFL, Aaron Rodgers, everybody hates Aaron Rodgers. Okay, unless you're a Packers fan. I love Aaron Rodgers on the field, all right? I've made no bones about that. He's my quarterback until he's not. Who else? Deshaun Watson, obviously a villain. My gamble last week of uh, putting all of my eggs in in the Deshaun Watson basket uh, crushed my, ended my playoff hopes here at the ESPN Des Moines Fantasy League. Kerry, you are still in the playoffs, I believe. Congrats. They begin next week. Not bitter at all. Um, Baker Mayfield always makes his way to the list. Now, people hate Tom Brady because he is just eternally great and gets a lot of calls and fans are sick and tired of him. But Baker Mayfield, I believe, and whether or not it's by his own fault, a combination of him and the media, Baker Mayfield is disliked, I think, by a lot of football fans. They look at him as a spoiled, arrogant brat. Uh, Maybe back to his days at Oklahoma when he planted the flag and grabbed his junk in the middle of a, after a big win, goes number one in the NFL draft. Doesn't seem to be able to be a good locker room guy. He was in Cleveland. Um, You know, you had Odell Beckham's dad putting together an Instagram reel of all the overthrows by Baker. He was eventually shoved out of Cleveland to make way for the credibly accused sexual misconduct quarterback in Deshaun Watson, who sucked last week and cost me my playoffs, but I'm not bitter. Not at all. So then Baker goes to Carolina. He's supposed to be the air quote savior in Carolina. He beats out Sam Darnold. He gets hurt. They release him. He gets signed by the L.A. Rams, the only team to pick him up. And he joined the team on Tuesday. And they played Thursday night football last night against the uh, Vegas Raiders. And last night, we had our Christmas party around here. Kira, you were there. Kira was Santa Claus, gave me a drink ticket. (laughs) Thank you very much, Kira. Use that for another White Claw last night. I appreciate it. Uh, But I got home, and I'm like, do I really want to watch Raiders and Rams? I think at that point, Raiders were up like 10 with seven or eight minutes to go or something like that. And I'm like, I'm tired. I'm going to go to bed. Because the last thing that I saw was that Baker Mayfield was in the game two days after joining the team, which is absolutely unheard of. 
and the Rams had the ball down six with a minute 41 to go on their own two-yard line. They need to go 98 yards in a minute 41. And I'm like, ah, Baker's not going to pull this off. Oh, he did. Mayfield from his own end zone caught to give them more life. Deep down the sideline, and it is caught by Skoranek. Ben Skoranek with a great catch, a contested catch, all the way to the 40-yard line. Football. Under a minute, 32-yard gain. Underneath, here's Brown to the 31-yard line. Get up. 34-33, Mayfield throws. That's caught. That's a first down. Here's Skoranek to the 22. Now Mayfield gets up there. He's got Second and 10, Mayfield to the end zone to Jefferson. Is that possible? Touchdown. That's the most amazing drive I'd missed of my entire life. Because I woke up this morning and I turned on ESPN Des Moines and I'm listening to uh, SportsCenter all night on my way into work. And I hear that touchdown call. That was all from Al Michaels over on Amazon Prime. The Rams scored 14 points in the fourth quarter and on the final drive, Went 98 yards, 98 yards in a minute 41. And that 23-yard touchdown pass from Baker Mayfield to Van Jefferson. I, I, I mean, listen, I don't root for Baker Mayfield. But sometimes you start to feel sorry for a dude, right? Don't you kind of feel sorry for a guy who's been pushed around? I mean, it's not like Baker is, you know, struggling by any stretch. He's got more money than I'll ever have. He gets the opportunity to play in the National Football League. But to get pushed out for Deshaun and then things didn't work out in Carolina and a coaching change, he's gone through like three or four offensive coordinators. Like, he hasn't really ever had the shot to become the great quarterback that he, you know, maybe he did have the shot in Cleveland, but he was eventually kicked out. So part of me actually felt good for Baker Mayfield. And then I watched the Rams locker room video and the emote, like, I always wonder, as fans, I think we wonder this. The Rams aren't going back to the playoffs. They just put Matt Stafford on IR. Uh, Cooper Cup is done for the year. And the, the team's just not the same as the team that won the Super Bowl last year. You know, they, they, they pushed all in, and it worked. And you start to wonder, as a fan, maybe one who plays fantasy or somebody who might be betting on it or whatever, you're like, do they really care? Do the Rams really care about this game? The Raiders should have played better. Do the Rams care? They can tank. They can get a better draft pick. Listen to the locker room after this win, starting with head coach Sean McVay. All right, here we go. Bring it up, guys. Bring it up. Hey, great job, man. Unbelievable. Want to be able to recognize special coach real quick. All right, was with the Raiders. Now he's with us. Where's Greg Olson, man? Recognize, all right, Taylor Rapp closing it out. So many big time stops defensively. Van Jefferson, Ben Skoranek making plays. Yep. All right, but to be able to come in here 10 minutes ago and help lead us to a victory. See you guys on Monday. Baker Mayfield. Listen to that. That's awesome. Hey, I'm happy to be home, man. Yeah. Yeah. Come on! Rams 
on three. One, two, three. Rams. I hate the Rams. All right. They're ever. I, I don't care about the Rams. They're an LA team. Whatever. I don't care about the Rams. I, you know, it's a little part of me. I'm like, ah, I feel good for Stafford. Whatever. You know, last year in the Super Bowl. I don't like the Rams, but I watched that video today and that was awesome. Like they still, the Rams are going nowhere. You know, that as an NFL fan, but that's sort of solidified. Yeah. They still care. They still actually do care. Even though the season's lost, every game is an opportunity to play a game is to get better, to put something on tape, maybe for your next team, maybe for your next job. And it's like, that's what we all do. Whether or not this is your last stop or just a stop, you're always working to put something out there to be proud of, to celebrate, and maybe for that next employer to see. That's what we. That's what they were doing last night because this team's going to get overhauled very soon. Cup sticks around. Kyron Williams, the running back, maybe sticks around. They tried to ship out Cam Akers. Does Skoranek stick around? I, I don't know. But that team's going to be... In two years, that team's going to be a completely different team because they're a terrible football team. But they pulled off an amazing win yesterday, and they still care. Here's Baker Mayfield after the game talking about that final drive. Considering how you got here, is there something cathartic about winning like that? Not just winning, but winning in a big way like that. Yeah, um, I don't know if you can write it any better than that. Obviously, we'd like to be a little bit more stress-free, but um, it's, it's a pretty damn good story, I'll be honest with you. So it's, uh, it's special. Yeah, again, I don't care about the Rams. I don't care about Baker Mayfield, but I felt really good for both last night. Baker threw that 23-yard touchdown pass to Van Jefferson, and he had some words to uh, to speak about Van. Van and I go back. Uh, I'm not very happy with Van until now. I was trying to get him to come to Oklahoma. He wouldn't text or call back. He owes me one, and uh, he got me right there. So, I no, I, I was messing with him about that when I first got here. Um, but, you know, seeing the coverage and... I was truly shocked. They they pressed him up with 15 seconds left, knowing that we didn't have any timeouts left. Yeah, he did a great job winning off the line of scrimmage and going and make a play. So that, that was just to you know, put it up for him and make a play. We'll hear more from Baker coming up in a bit. But just thinking about the Rams not quitting, or my conversation I just had with Gary Ellerson uh, from ESPN Milwaukee when he was on, saying that Rodgers is going to go out there and play. If Rodgers wants to play, he's going to go out there and play. Here's what I know about players. Now, they get game checks, and they have numbers they have to hit, and they get rewarded if they have so many touchdowns or yards or whatever. They don't care about draft position. They don't care about that. They're not going to be like, well, if we tank now, we'll be the seventh pick coming up in April. Players don't care about draft position. Players care about winning football games, about playing well, winning football games, money that comes with playing well, but they care about winning. We care about draft position. GMs might care about draft position. But when your team plays, even if they've been eliminated, like if you're a Chicago Bears fan, you're watching Justin Fields play, you're like, why is he even playing? Because he wants to get better and playing when you see live bullets is all that matters. It'll benefit you next year to be playing in this game and not benching. And the Rams proved that yesterday. They they wanted to play. They wanted to win. Baker has a lot coming. He's still a younger-ish quarterback. He's got a a future ahead of him in the NFL, and he just showed some GM somewhere yesterday that he's not going to be quitting anytime soon. We'll hear more from Baker coming up, plus Brock versus Brady. I love what the Iowa State quarterback, former ISU quarterback, said about the GOAT. We'll get to that next. 
1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. This is Wicket's World. My name is Mike Wicket. Coming up tomorrow, Drake men's basketball, followed by Drake women's basketball. Early, Drake men take it on Richmond. Late, Drake women take it on Creighton. And then on Sunday, we have an NFL doubleheader, Giants and Philadelphia Eagles, followed by the Carolina Panthers and the Seattle Seahawks. So we have nothing but live sports once again for you here on ESPN Des Moines all weekend. We've got live sports. Wrapping up and talking about Baker Mayfield, because I feel like there are some people who, again, I don't think that we didn't make a lot of Baker Mayfield fans after last night, but when you go 98 yards in a minute 40 to win the game after joining the team 48 hours before, that's impressive. Like, you applaud that, and and I think I think people feel good about that. And, as, and I talked about this earlier. You know, Baker Mayfield, number one overall pick, tons of pressure. I remember the game he came in, uh, to to beat, God, was it the Chargers? I don't even remember, I don't remember who he beat, but he took over for Tarod Taylor, and there was a frit. This is a true story. There was a refrigerator in Cleveland at a bar full of beer. It was sponsored by Bud Light, I believe, and it had a lock on it, and it was not going to unlock until the Browns won a football game, and it might have been a, at every bar or five bars or ten bars in Cleveland or whatever. And I remember it was a Monday night game and I was watching the game in bed and my wife who couldn't care less about football was sitting and watching. It was actually like, okay, so if he wins, they all get the beer. He comes in in relief of Taylor. He wins and the, the, the fridge is all open and it's free beer for everybody. Free Bud Light for everyone. This was, you know, Baker's rookie season. And it was just, it was, I mean, he's, you know, ever since then he was deemed as the savior in Cleveland and, he had a very up-and-down run in Cleveland and didn't get along well with Odell Beckham Jr. and then the Deshaun Watson thing. Then he goes to Carolina. I've covered his past already. Baker was actually asked yesterday about his up-and-down past helping him. Not necessarily complain about the fact that I had that many different offensive systems and having to learn that, but it came in handy when having to learn a crash course and being able to relate, relate certain things. And, uh, you know, Sean's protection scheme is similar to Bill Callahan's who I had in Cleveland. So the terminology with that, that knocks out a big chunk of the learning curve um, and just trying to learn all the, the motions and the terminology for that. It's it's tough, um, but those guys did a great job of helping me out communicating when I got off the field on the sideline and just talking about what the plays that are coming up. It's tough to, to comprehend as, as a non-NFL quarterback. It is very tough for us to comprehend everything NFL quarterbacks have to know because it's not just snap play. It's snap read this guy. It's snap read 11 guys on defense. It's snap chemistry with your wide receivers, with your offensive line. Everybody has to be on the same page. It is the ultimate team game, and we know this. You know, you look at famous quarterback wide receiver chemistry, like Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams. For so many years in in Green Bay, they shared the same brain, or at least they always knew what each other was thinking. And I don't think Baker has ever had that kind of chemistry with the player. So we had to rely on, okay, what did I know from a similar system of where the protection is going to come from when he was in Cleveland? And and did he take anything out of Carolina? Like that to me is some of the most impressive stuff when you listen to the greatest of the greats. And Baker is never going to be one of the greatest of the greats. But you listen to Peyton Manning. You listen to Drew Brees. You listen to Rodgers. You listen to Montana. You listen to Dan Marino, 
and the way they talk and break things down, their brain, that's what makes the greatest of the great who they are. Their brain. I mean, Jeff George could throw the ball a, a million miles. Jamarcus Russell could do the same thing. They got the million-dollar arm and the 10-cent head. That was their problem. But when you talk about knowing your line, and that's smart of Baker Mayfield, to know the protection and to be able to have the knowledge still there and to use it on that drive was awesome. Here's one more from Baker. Probably going to take a deep breath. Um, Like I said earlier, I'm extremely thankful. Um, You know, praise the Lord. I mean, I just, it's been a tough year, to be honest with you, and this is... uh, it's been a good way to uh, kickstart this journey here. It's it's wild. And again, I think Baker may have made a fan or two or may have cooled some of the flames that a lot of people in the media or fans have towards him for his antics. It's a feel-good day for Baker Mayfield. Now, I don't think they're going to win another game this year, and I'm not rooting for Baker Mayfield to win another game this year or anything like that, but that is just one of those where it's like, oh, you feel good for a dude who's been through some adversity and... and Gets to come out on the end. Maybe you don't. Maybe it's all. Maybe you're like, ah, screw Baker Mayfield. I hate. I hate Baker Mayfield. That can be yours too. But again, you're always putting something on paper for your next job, especially in the National Football League, and that's what Baker Mayfield did yesterday. Put a lot on paper for people to see, and maybe who knows? With Stafford's massive contract, there's a lot of questions around LA. His elbow, now the concussion. He's getting up there in age. Is you know they're in the same con. They might wind up in the same contract hell that the Packers are in, or maybe even when the Broncos come to the realization that Russell Wilson is completely cooked, the contract situation that they're in, or what the Saints were in with Drew Brees. You know who's never put his team in a bad contract situation? Tom Brady, never, never. And and I think that's what annoys people. He always takes the slightly less deal. To build around him. He did it for years in New England. You know, when you talk about the quarterbacks who make who are making the most money this year, I don't even know if Brady's in the top seven. And he's not a top seven quarterback, obviously, especially not this year, but with his resume and how he, he arguably could have been the MVP last year and not Rodgers. He went to the Super Bowl two years ago. You know, it wouldn't have been incredibly stupid of Tampa to say, let's make him the highest paid or one of the highest paid. or we, He didn't. He doesn't need that. Rod, Tom Brady has never been the highest paid quarterback in the league. And it's amazing to say that because he's regarded as the GOAT. And I don't think I realized this. Tampa plays at San Francisco. I believe this is only the second time Tom Brady has played at the Niners in his career. I don't think I knew that until today. Uh, of course, I'm not sure if you've heard this or not, but he's from California. He's from Northern California. He grew up a San Francisco 49ers fan. And so they started talking. This is interesting stuff, I think. Because now it'll be Brady versus Brock. This has to be the record for the biggest age difference between two starting quarterbacks. Brock Purdy, who is a rookie. Tom Brady, who is 100. This has to be. And one of the things that Brady was talking about was coming home And this cut, interesting, and makes me sick. Listen to Tom Brady talk about how great he was at everything. 
Sarah was a great baseball school, and I loved baseball. I started playing football and, and fell in love with football because of the camaraderie of it all. I was always a kid that was trying to prove myself to everyone, and, you know, there was one thing in sports that I was really good in basically a lot of sports. I was really good in baseball, threw the ball well. I hit the ball really well. Here we go. I was really good in golf. I was good in any sport I was really good at. I I'm believe good in ping pong. I'm good in darts. I'm good. It's, I just can't run. We get it, Tom. <laughs> and I can't jump. So running and jumping are a problem. So I always tried to work hard at those things, you know, so I put the dot drills down because those would help move my feet faster and you know that really helped me I think get into college and then I kept working at it and I still work at it I was out there working on my running today you know Griff's going man you got to move faster than that man you're just not moving as quick today you know which is I can't afford to be you know 80% of my quickness because that's really slow I got to be a hundred percent of my slowness which gives me at least a fighting chance hold on Kira did you hear the part where he was like I was good at ping pong and darts I believe it those aren't sports dude (laughs) The thing about athletes, especially, you know, elite athletes like Tom Brady, they are good at everything. Mm. They are really good at everything. And I I mean, you can talk to a, a guy who played football, give him a golf club. He'll be good at golf. They were probably the, the pitcher on your high school team was probably also the all-state point guard. Who was the, the the third baseman was probably an all-state power forward or small forward. And then also was probably a good safety. Like, I hated those kids. Hated them. I couldn't play those sports at that level. I was not blessed with the, the God-given ability. When I entered high school, I was 5'8", 85 pounds. I, I'm not, now, I'm not a huge dude now. You know, I'm 6'2", 175-ish. Maybe 180 since I had three kids. But yeah, I was 5'8", 85 pounds. I went into radio worked out i mean i'm not making tom brady money but i'm pretty pretty happy with where i am at um you know i stay motivated every day and and tom brady also stays motivated every single day i just keep working i I worked at it when i was in high school i worked at you know i woke up every day at six o'clock and i tell my kids man i i I wasn't a great student you know i had no interest in school you know i just i guess you ran for class president your freshman year yeah i lost i lost that I wouldn't have been good at that. I was good in sports, and I found a good profession for it. So lucky to find a lot of people were in my life that supported me in that journey, and parents were at the top of the list. Sisters motivated me. You know, I was always cheering them on up you know, at Beresford Park and Hillsdale High School and just a kid growing up like all of us were and trying to have some fun. And here I am many years later and going back and going to try to go home and, and uh, give people what they want. So he wasn't very good at being a student. I had a 3.5 GPA. Kira, I'm going to bet you had a killer GPA in high school. Oh, yeah. I, I 4.0 <laughs> or higher? Did you? Uh, Not quite a 4. Yeah. Pretty pretty darn close. I was in the top 10%. Top oh, here we go. Okay. My All right. Class. Dust your shoulder off, Kira. Whatever. <laughs> I'm not surprised. Kira's very, very smart. You're definitely the smarter person on this show. Yeah. and You're you the know, smartest person in the room. I try to pretend that I'm the smartest person you, in the room. You know what I didn't do? What? Sports. I believe that. <laughs> I believe that. You know, I, I love the matchup. It's the Niners who, they lost Trey Lance, who was their future. Luckily, they never found a trade partner for Jimmy Garoppolo. Unfortunately, Garoppolo's ankle went into like four different pieces, although they're not putting him on IR. They might get him back if there's a deep playoff run. So now it falls to Brock Purdy. The Iowa State grad, the guy who is up in Ames, the record-setting quarterback, and Mr. Irrelevant, the last guy taken in the NFL draft. He threw two touchdowns last week in, in relief of Jimmy Garoppolo. 
And he was asked about his very first NFL start coming this weekend facing a guy like Tom Brady. Yeah, I think it's cool. I think it's really cool. Um, dude's been playing football longer than I've been alive. So, um, yeah, to have a first start against, you know, the GOAT, it's going to be pretty cool. But um, just any other game, man. I just got to be efficient, do my thing, and, and play football. I think he was five days old when Brady made it to the NFL. If you can check Brock Purdy's birthday for me, Kara, and we'll have this coming up on the other side. But I believe Purdy was five days old when Tom Brady started playing football for the New England Patriots. We'll get that coming up. And and honestly, people are looking at Purdy as a guy who might, he might be in the perfect situation. More on that next. Brock versus Brady coming up on Sunday. Purdy versus the Goats. Happy Friday. I'm Mike Wickett here on 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. It's the Buccaneers and the San Francisco 49ers and a lot of Iowa State fans around here in the Des Moines area are going to be trying to watch this one to see what Purdy, Mr. Irrelevant, the record-setting quarterback who played for Matt Campbell. He was the last guy taken in the draft going against a guy who was taken in the sixth round 22 years ago, Purdy is five, was five months old when Brady got drafted. Brock Purdy was five months old when Tom Brady was drafted. That's amazing. And I feel really, I mean, I'm not as old as Brady. I'm a couple of years younger, but that's that's craziness. So they lose Garoppolo. They lose Trey Lance. What are the Niners going to do with Purdy? And, and actually, there is some... Reason to believe that he threw two touchdowns last week against Miami. He also threw a pick. First time he's seen any major action in the NFL. Uh, but ESPN's Herm Edwards says that Purdy's in a pretty good position. He couldn't play uh, Purdy for a better coach than Kyle Shanahan. He's going to script plays. He's going to set him up for be successful. What I was impressed about, he goes in the game yesterday unannounced. To like uh, I'm, I'm, He wasn't supposed to play, and I go in the game, and all of a sudden they're running their offense. Right? They're running their offense in a big game, by the way, against the Miami Dolphins. Right, <laughs> And he goes in there, he throws a touchdown pass, moves around pretty good. So I think uh, his mindset is, I don't want to mess this up. Because what sits across from me in the locker room is a really good defense. And I don't want to put them in harm's way. Now, we'll see as this thing continues to go. You know, the first time you have to go out there, it's kind of more shocking. Well, I got to go play. Yeah, you got to go play right now. So now he has a week to prepare. We'll see what it looks like. You know, they got McCaffrey. They got Kittle. They got Debo Samuel. They got Brandon Ayuk. Uh, they got a good offensive line. It's not like Purdy's coming in and he's going to be playing for the Houston Texans here. He's And, and obviously that defense that Herm talks about, like, this, I'm not, if I was a betting man, I would not bet on Purdy to take the Niners to the playoffs and then deep. But if there's one team that's set up for this, with that has weapons all over, that a lot of fans in the NFL are jealous of their cast. As a Packers fan, I'm very jealous. But you've got Christian McCaffrey and George Kittle and Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk. You've got weapons. Just be a point guard. Be Chris Paul. You know, no one's ever going to be like, man, we really need Chris Paul to score 35 tonight. No. What you need is John Stockton. Just pass. Boom. Pass. Get the ball to McCaffrey. Let him go. Hand the ball off. Get the ball to Kittle. As a guy who has Kittle on his fantasy team, get the ball to Kittle 27 times on Sunday. As And that might be, you know, the tight end safety blanket that Purdy in, in his very first NFL start is going to need. 
You know, injuries are not new to the San Francisco 49ers. In fact, ESPN, check that, NFL Network's Pete Schrager says this might be a one-of-one situation. Nobody else is built to handle injuries like San Francisco. I think this Niners team is one of one as far as what they've been through over the last mm-hmm. few years. We know they went to the Super Bowl in 2019. We know they went to the NFC Championship game in 2021. But one of Kyle Shanahan's best coaching efforts was the COVID 2020 season where they lost everyone to injury mm. and still hung in there at the end. They were playing home games in Arizona in the month of December. Jimmy Garoppolo missed 10 games that year. Mostert missed eight. Debo missed nine. Kittle missed eight. Bosa missed 14. <laughs> Steve Ford missed 15, Richard Sherman missed 11, and they were winning games Mm -hmm. in December and January. Like, this group in particular is uniquely outfitted to be able to handle adversity. They might actually pull this off. I mean, it's look, this is not Tampa Bay from last year or the year before. Tampa doesn't look right. The offensive line there is a mess. You know, Brady isn't, maybe Brady, this is the, the Favre year. Now, he's still better than Favre was that last year when he got hurt and the streak ended in Minnesota. But maybe this is Brady's, you know, decline year. And and hopefully, if you're a Brady fan, Tom Brady retires next year and we don't see an even bigger drop. Now, maybe this is a one-year anomaly. People think this might be a one-year anomaly for Aaron Rodgers. Maybe it's one for Brady. Maybe it's one for Russell Wilson. We have no idea. But this Tampa team's not intimidating. I mean, they struggled to win games. They struggled to score, even with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. They they don't have a resume that says, we're coming into your house and we're going to thump you. You know, I'd still bet on Brady and company probably to win this game just because of the quarterback matchup. But if there's a team that is set up to, to minimize risk from their inexperienced quarterback, it's San Francisco. And a guy who I think is just... He has exploded in the last two years, and I've been a fan of his since he started at ESPN. Dan Orlovsky, you know, he had some kind words to say about Brock Purdy. He looked confident, and confidence comes from preparation. He looked poised, and poise comes from confidence. And you could look to see that this young man, first of all, played a ton of college football at Iowa State, called a couple of his games there. Four-year starter. He was the quarterback for the Brees Hall-led Iowa State team. Remember, Brees Hall was the soon-to-be offensive rookie of the year for the Jets. Um... This guy knows football. He's been around it a ton. He's tough. He's seen everything that you could see, at least as far as reps defensively. And that's why he, when he stepped into that moment, he did not look overwhelmed. Some of his throws did not look like a guy that was playing in his first NFL game. So I think if you're the San Francisco 49ers, understanding it's easy to, in, somewhat easier in those moments, like step on the field and just go because you have no other choice. Obviously, this week and weeks uh, to come will be very different. But he looked ready for that, for that situation. Just get the ball, you know, out quick. I, I know Kyle Shanahan is going to scheme things. They're going to make things real easy for Brock Purdy. You know, quick throws. I don't expect a lot of hero ball out of Purdy. I wouldn't be surprised at all if they won this football game. They've got the they've got a great defense. They can get after Brady. And I mentioned all the weapons ad nauseum. Just get the ball to McCaffrey. Get the ball to Debo. Get the ball to Kittle. Get the ball to Kittle again. Then get the ball to Kittle again. Selfishly, fantasy, I need him. But get the ball to your guys and get out of the way. You know, when, when he was at Iowa State, Purdy was really great at throwing the timely interception. But he would be playing a lot of hero ball, a lot of a lot of deep throws, a lot of, you know, head-scratching throws. I don't think Shanahan's going to let him do that. Don't expect much of a vertical game from Purdy. Could be It's going to be a lot of catch and run. And I, I really wouldn't be shocked if uh, San Francisco won this game, if Purdy beat Brady. 
Now, again, you're saying beat Tom Brady. It's, you know, at some point you expect the great Brady to show up at every single one of these football games. Uh, quick Iowa note, shifting gears here. So they don't have a quarterback that has any experience as they get ready for the Music City Bowl. Do you see this? The over-under in this game between Iowa and Kentucky coming up on New Year's Eve is 31. It is the lowest over-under in the history of bowl games. I'm not even kidding you when I say that. It's 31. It might be 31 and a half. Why? Well, you know Iowa's offense is pathetic, and that's when they had their starter. But now Spencer Petras, who got hurt in the Nebraska game, is out. The backup, Alex Padilla, has entered the transfer portal. Michigan transfer Cade McNamara is not here yet, can't play till next year. So what do they do? It's a redshirt freshman, Labus, or Carson May, the true freshman. Now, Labus, Joe Labus probably gets the job because he's been in the system a little bit longer. They've lost their two top receivers to the transfer portal. I mean, Iowa's offense already struggled to score. It'll be a mess against Kentucky, who plays good defense. Now, on the other side, Kentucky, their quarterback, Will Levis, is potentially the number one pick in the draft next year. He said, bye-bye, I'm not playing in the bowl game. Why risk injury? He is done. He is preparing for the NFL. He will be a first-round pick. Where in the NFL's first round does he go? I I don't know. You've got C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young, and you've got, you know, Levis as the top three quarterbacks in the draft class. They're going to be somewhere up and down in that first round. You know, all it takes is one team to take that chance on you. You could go one, two, three. We we don't know. Um, And I saw Chris Rodriguez, their running back, is skipping the bowl game for the NFL. The stat that blew me away, Will Levis and Chris Rodriguez accounted for 70%, over 70% of Kentucky's offense. So you have the historically bad offense in Iowa losing a lot of weapons and the bad offense in Kentucky losing the NFL caliber quarterback and running back. I mean, part of me is thinking, bet the over. They're both going to score 60 (laughs) because it makes no sense. And bowl games are always crazy. But it also could be one of those games that winds up being 9-6. to You could see it being that ugly of a football game between Kentucky and Iowa in Nashville. All right. Heisman is tomorrow. I'd give it to Max Duggan from TCU, one of the four finalists. Others, uh, Caleb Williams, C.J. Stroud, Stetson Bennett. Stetson Bennett got no business being in there. Watch, he wins. That sounds about right. Hey, uh, my thanks to Gary Ellerson for joining us. If you missed today's conversation, it'll be at ESPNDesMoines.com momentarily. We'll get it up there for you for sure. We got two Drake games tomorrow, men and women. Two NFL games on Sunday. We've got live sports all weekend here on ESPN Des Moines. Thanks to Kira for keeping us on the air. Have a great weekend. Thanks for listening to ESPN Des Moines.